Hi, everybody. This is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the work that they do. Today, my special guest is Jamie Wimmer, who currently resides in Savannah. She's a full-time drawing professor, and she's instructed all levels from freshmen to seniors in traditional and digital drawing, as well as drawing for storyboard. She's raised two sons while working on her BS in art education and earned her MFA in illustration. She's taught high school for 10 years and college for over six years. Hi, Jimmy. Thanks for coming. Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is a pleasure. You're very kind. Um, those of you who are listening, she's so, so nice. Um, you are so supportive and you're just very kind to share your knowledge and expertise, whether it's art or um, being an art educator with all the experience that you have. Yes, yes. Well, kindness is what makes the world go around, right? <laughs> uh, and also a lovely artist. Um, those of you who are listening, she specializes in these beautiful, detailed pencil um, line drawings. Um, she has on her website, I was looking at it this morning, some beautiful, um, the Woodland Fairy series. And then you have uh, the animals. They are just so sweet and just um, reminds me of childhood, to be honest. <laughs> good, good, because that's the whole point. <laughs> so my first question um, is, what inspired you to become an artist? Well, you mentioned childhood, and uh, you know, when you're a child, you just consume books. I, I know today's digital age, it's a little different, but when we were growing up, it was the school library, scholastics, you know, the book fairs that they'd have, and sometimes we would get free books. Um, I grew up, the earliest one I can really remember is, is Beatrix Potter, and I was really drawn to the tiny books. Uh, the, the rabbits, and I grew up in the country, so I really connected with all the visuals that I was seeing and the imagination of Beatrix Potter. Um, as I was growing up, I was really attracted to the different scholastic and troll books that were out there. Um, they were classic fairy tales like Beauty and the Beast, uh, and that was illustrated by Karen Malone, and I want to yeah. just pay homage to these, these illustrators that I'm going to mention. Yeah. Snow White by Evelyn Kelbish, uh, oh. Shadow Castle by Olive Bailey. Um, mm -hmm. And then I got into this Time Life Enchanted series uh, as a oh. middle schooler and found Anya Von Gilbert uh, amongst other artists like Waterhouse. And of course, I, I have to mention Lisbeth Berger. I am oh, an avid yeah. collector of all of her delicate books and the line work that's in there and all the watercolors. It's, it's just really wow. Um, I didn't really make the connection that so much of my early childhood was a, a female-driven artist uh, love until actually I started teaching college. I asked students to make a mood board and I, I did one myself because I never tried to ask the students to do something without, without me doing it as well. And uh, when I put all of these artists out there, I was like, oh my gosh, they're all line artists. They're not, they're not painters necessarily. Um, and of course, I found Arthur Rackham and Brian Froud and Alan Lee. You can't not get through uh, middle school, high school, elementary without mentioning Disney and Glenn Keane. And I was obsessed with The Little Mermaid. I would pause it on the VCR and I would draw it as fast as I could because you had to get it all down before the VCR, you know, un unpaused itself. So that was a big deal. <laughs> I think I drew every frame and, and watched it over and over to really get uh, my hands active. You know, when you're, when you're growing up in the country, you're 
you don't have a lot of stimulation except for the outside world and and art and drawings that you can see so you start saving them and you start you start drawing quite a bit so i'm sorry and i know i didn't put this in my original question so what got you to then think about illustration as the way that you wanted to go because um you have your mfa and um, that's an intensive study of illustration <laughs> and so i wanted to know like what made that um moment that you went oh okay i've done my art education um, degree and i want to kind of move into that illustration world oh it's such a funny little route i when you're when you're 18 you go to college and i did an associates in fine arts degree with a uh, community college we had locally in and it's definitely a rural area northeast pa and they had done a summer camp you know and i did it in 10th grade i loved it so i went there i, I didn't know what my options were uh, we didn't have the internet <laughs> so i couldn't search for other colleges um, but I looked at it as a stepping stone. It's the college was named Keystone, and it really was a keystone in my development. Um, and it was always meant to be a two-year program, and then you would transfer. And I watched a lot of my peers transfer to other colleges. I had got into the School of Visual Arts in New York City um, mm -hmm. after that stay. And, and I remember the interview. It was this really sweet German woman who she loved my first name, told me to take ownership back of that because I used to be embarrassed by it. And uh, she said, you are going to go into illustration. And I was like, oh. I don't know what that is, but that sounds great because I didn't make that connection. I just thought you had to study art. And then I, I couldn't go to SBA though. I, it, was, it was financial. I was on my own at, at 1920. Mm -hmm. um, so before I knew it, I was really uh, back. I was working. I was working a full-time 12-hour swing shift job. Um, in a in a factory a type of paper factory that my dad had worked at for years and before I knew it I had family I was married I was working I had a retirement a 401k you know you have all those those things that are that are down but you're still drawing you know I was always sketching you know I always took my sketchbook to work um, people that I worked with were always super supportive and I worked there for about nine years when Keystone the same college uh, started an art education program. So I went back, they took all my credits. They were super supportive with my schedule and my kids. Um, I was an adult student at that point. And I, when I was doing my student teaching, uh, Judy Shahusky, my, my uh, mentor, and she said, don't stop, just keep going. Uh, don't, don't just stop at your BS and, and you wanted to jump in. And I said, I wanna know what illustration is, I, I do. So I decided to look for low residency programs um, for illustration. I found one in Scranton. It was called Marywood. Um, and it was a wonderful experience. I, I had to say, hands down, the first two years with the MFA in illustration was great. But it was heavily graphic design. So that's also a perk. I, I learned a lot about design elements while working for illustration. And then in that last year, I transferred to Hartford's uh, low residency illustration, where it was 100% illustrators getting their MFA. Incidentally, that's where I met Mike, my husband. Yeah. Today. Um, and I, I really, I, I, I was immersed in, I felt like I had found my tribe. These were the folks that I could connect with. They understood the visual language I wanted to draw. I was not, you know, dismissed for wanting to draw things like Alice in Wonderland or Wizard of Oz. They loved that stuff. And 
I struggled in the first two years of art school because it was always about form and line, but it, it wasn't about story. And mm -hmm. I, I'm still a storyteller at heart, you know, whether it's character or environments, I want to portray that story. So illustration, it was a long road, <laughs> but I finally got it. And I was like, this, this is what I do. I have to do this. It's a, it's inside you. And and I must say also that must be inside you to be an educator, uh, a visual arts teacher. So can you talk about like that passion because you continue to teach, you are very kind to share what you know. And I was like, oh, she's so nice. I was, I, I really appreciated it. I, I, I try really hard to connect with every student as, be as best as I can. Um, I, I remember what it was like to be overlooked or to, you know, not necessarily get the attention or just ask a question, one or two. Mm -hmm. I have hung on to uh, the time that maybe a teacher would take and just stop at my desk and, you know, suggest an artist that I might like or, you know, hey, have you heard of this artist? And little things like that go a long way. Um, I make it a point to know every single student's name, uh, hopefully within two days, because <laughs> I'm really good <laughs> like that. Um, but I didn't really, I didn't want to be an educator per se. Um, I always felt like I was an artist first and then an educator second. In college, a, a professor told me, you'd be a good teacher. And I was like, oh, no, no, <laughs> I don't want to do this. But um, while I was working I, in the factory, I was training people I, how to do their jobs. I found out I was really good at that. I became a mom. I really respected what was happening in the world with young people, and I wanted to be able to contribute. And as soon as I started teaching high school, uh, wow, was I in for a shock because it wasn't just about just teaching art. It was really about trying to figure life out. Uh, how do you talk to people? How do you treat one another? How do you respect yourself? I was consumed with how often students would talk negatively about their own work and not really like what they were doing. Um, so I felt a really strong calling uh, for that. I, I definitely wanted to be there for my art students too. The ones who, you know, where's that stepping stone? How do I get to that spot? And I'm, one of my favorites is uh, I had a ninth grade boy who loved to draw cars. And I was like, you know, you could really look into something called like industrial design and drawing cars. And there's a couple colleges that are really good for this. And he, he went with it and he was a really bright, hardworking, and he went to Cleveland Institute of Art. Um, so just a little shout out for Alex. And he's now, he was just telling me, he's like the brand manager for one of GE's uh, divisions. And I was like, that is so cool. I mean, remember some of those early lessons in design. I like everything matters. It matters so much. Um, High school, college, like they're all different life experiences at different times. So as an educator, you're not just there to develop, develop curriculum. Yes, we do that. But to also be a person and try to connect with them on a level that, hey, we're doing this because we love it. And I love it. So I want you to love it. <laughs> and if you don't love it, why are you doing it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. Because it's very time intensive. I think if anybody who is not necessarily from a visual arts background, they might be perplexed because they just usually see the end result and they don't really see the the 10,000 hours of skill that it takes to get to that point where you're doing work that you're, you know, you're proud of and that you want to show people and things like that. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, but yeah, I agree. It is. A, I feel like there's an aspect of teaching of, I don't know, whatever you're teaching, but especially in high school, I feel like, you know, you, you want to 
let them know they can make it. They can do it. I know it seems very um, formative to be like, oh, look at all these wonderful, skilled people. You go to graduate school and they'll be, you feel like, oh, there's a lot of wonderful, skilled people. <laughs> and they're really good. I mean, it never changes. And I go like, oh, I don't know. It just, it isn't. And you can learn so much from the people who who are very skilled. That's what I found. It just, they're like, wonderful resources so oh yeah everybody has a different story too and a different path and when you are learning from like and taking bits and pieces from each of your professors or artists down the line it's it's important to remember not to compare yourself to any one you know you know path and think oh i have to be doing this you can't do that to yourself um, that's not fair to you because their path was different than yours. Being married to a very accomplished illustrator and professional artist, I mean, it, it took me a while to navigate that water and not compare myself to my husband's work and seeing all the paintings. It literally took a year apart where he was he was here in Savannah teaching and I was still in mm -hmm. Oklahoma. And I was just away from some of that filter and I did an ink inktober that kind of also... <laughs> rooted itself with some line work and I get a lot of discussion of line or mass and volume and composition we talk all these things in drawing classes and I'm very uh, eager to help teach students to see with with values and masses and edges so they can get that mm -hmm. atmospheric depth but it turns out that my personal style is really immersed in line work and that was a little bit of a shock because line work is so delicate and so organic in its own uh, decorative nature that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm totally missing <laughs> what I'm good at. <laughs> like, wait a minute. So I, I, I really just backpedaled and said, okay, I'm going to focus online. And I took out some of my um, own pressures. And I think it's important for young people or young artists or, or old artists to, to really re-examine what did I love to do? What, what was the thing that tripped my trigger um, and that you can obsess over? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I did a little bit of that myself. And I, I that's why I do the cut paper stuff. I think for me, it was realizing what did I like to do when I was in childhood? And I used to make little things out of paper. I didn't really show them to people, but they were kind of like hidden away because I was like, oh, that's kind of, you know, little kid, you know, I was like, I think I was actually maybe getting into maybe fifth or sixth grade, but I was just compulsively making these miniatures Aww. out of paper. So I, I totally agree with you. And it, because at the end of the day, I was like, if I'm going to be at my drafting table or my cutting table for 40, 50, 60, 70, you know, however many hours, I want to have the ability to have that passion from beginning to end in the process. So I, yeah, I totally understand that. And it shows in your work because I go like, it's so delicate and it's so pretty. <laughs> it's like, I like the the pretty lines. I mean, I assume that's kind of where that comes from because there are, there, those lines are very pretty and delicate. Uh, and I like this and I love the storytelling as well. So oh, thank um, you. Yeah, because being a children's book illustrator, I was like, oh, these would be perfect for like children's books, like from these <laughs> classics. Like I imagine like because of the subject matter that you're choosing, you know, I was like, oh, these would be like your classic books that, you know, those stories that everybody kind of knows and they've been kind of everybody buys that set for their kid you're like yeah. oh, you gotta have you know Sleeping <laughs> Beauty you have to have you know Little Mermaid you have to have all of those yeah so, yeah I can see yeah, the there's there's so much there. pressure too to uh, to draw or illustrate real life and uh, 
I'm just not interested in doing that. I really want to, I, I, I was not the child that would pick up the kid's book about real life though either. I was the kid mm -hmm. who's going to pick up a book about fantasy and try to escape. Mm -hmm. And I don't think everything has to be a lesson per se. Mm -hmm. Some of it can just be complete, you know, wonder and whimsy and you can feel like you're flying in a fantasy story to tell uh, and, and be in that world. Um, you know, we're, we're so consumed now, like AI is, is, is launching like crazy virtual reality. There's been so many discussions on metaverse and I'm like, well, you can also get that from a book <laughs> from art and <laughs> stuff that we do in our imagination. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see that balance in the illustrative industry, um, and how illustration is either way over on this, this fantasy side of immersion and, or it's, it's in the real world. And I, I, I guess I kind of was born a couple decades too late or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We get to enjoy it now, um, your yeah. uh, beautiful line work. But you brought up a topic about AI, which I thought was really fascinating when you um, posted it. Um, I think it was LinkedIn. I think I saw it. And you had referenced like how, um, how it could be used as a possible tool in uh, the work process. And I was just kind of curious if you might share with the audience, because some of the people are art educators and they might not be aware of this direction. Like I was shocked. I was like, oh my goodness, this is really, wow. <laughs> like what yes. it can do. It, it is groundbreaking. And this is the year, I mean, 2022, where we're really wow. seeing it take off and, and develop into a way that we have not quite seen before. So this is going to be like what the camera did <laughs> to painters, wow. um, what Photoshop did to, you know, regular painters and like <laughs> everybody's attacking the painters, those poor guys. Oh. Um, but AI um, is so in intuitive, like as artists, as a person, I'm still pulling my inspiration from old school, Beatrix Potter, Alan Lee. I love these illustrations and in some ways they are part of who I am I'm one person who's filtered some of this stuff in AI is doing that you know on a broader scale across all artists and bringing all of that together to compose and create things based on words so different programs like Midjourney, Disco Diffusion which I have not tried yet I did try Midjourney and Womba which is very vague um, but Dolly 2 is another one that's really upscaled and Cosmopolitan magazine just published their very first um, the first magazine cover done completely AI and it's a female astronaut on on like a moon with a cyberpunk twist and it does bring up questions of copyright law don't get me wrong I think NFTs are going to play a part here um, how and when I'm just kind of in a giggling uh, mood because I'm like oh my gosh like now what do we do <laughs> what do we do like game over is it game over or what do we do to adapt um, there are many artists already who are using AI and taking it into other programs like Clip Studio or Photoshop, and they're transforming it into their own uh, visual voice. Uh, it cuts down like almost all of the process and, and creative mm -hmm. conceptual thinking, because then you're like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And you don't go through that journey. So it's kind of like mid-journey, I think is a good, good way to say it. You're coming at it at the middle ground and then you can do something with it if you'd like. Um, what this is going to do for uh, the commercial market is going to be interesting because that's going to have an impact, I think, on, on the ultimate livelihoods of many concept artists and designers who are out there. Um, if they don't immerse themselves pretty quickly uh, in, in what this tool can do for them, uh, they're going to find themselves left behind because mm -hmm. there's one thing we can definitely 100%, uh, I, I would put money on this. One, mm -hmm. it's not going to go away. 
-huh. And two, it's going to exponentially get better and faster. Um, why would it go slower and why would it get worse? <laughs> it doesn't do that. Um, that's not how AI is designed for learning. So there's always going to be new programs, new developers. Um, it, there's a lot of videos on YouTube for folks who are looking into this. Um, really just kind of find out what, what it can do. Uh, a lot of students who are immersed in gaming are familiar with uh, Discord and Discord mm -hmm. runs with Midjourney. So that's one way to kind of tap into it. If an educator is not tapped into what Discord is doing and stuff, it can get a little hard to figure out, okay, where am I going for this? Mm -hmm. uh, there's different apps and different applications, um, but a little bit of research can go a long way. Um, we have to now explain to college students, like how do we use this um, wisely? Mm -hmm. um, how do we not abuse it? And be, you know, we don't want it to be a crutch, it's a tool. Mm -hmm. um, if you use it as a crutch, but it, it's very good. It's hard mm -hmm. to see what that, how how far will that crutch go? Um, in the end, it depends on humans, and it also depends on economic uh, need, right? Because it's like, it could be good, or it could be fast, or it could be like you know cheap. <laughs> it can't be all three. Well, now it's kind of like all three. It's really cheap. It's really good. It's really fast. Um, so what do we do with that now, and how do we compete? Um, that's going to be tricky. It's going to be really exciting to to watch. Because. I wonder if now, because of all this expediency, will the value of the traditional arts um, be more like once again, you know, kind of like a pendulum swing, like maybe like more people will delve into learning those traditional skill sets and like painting and drawing and really develop those? Because if you can, have yeah, I, I think they'll, great. I think they'll always be this human. Yeah desire to own yeah. I think this is why the crafts have done yeah. so well like you know the people who make uh and sew and knit and make dolls and I'm fascinated and I'm like oh you can hold that I love that I even collect yeah. a few uh doll makers online there and even miniatures I, I love those too yeah. uh, side note but um I think there'll always still be that need so I'm I'm glad I have drawing experience but mm -hmm. I this gives me a platform to actually encourage students now to to draw and to paint so that you can develop what's what's very critical and, and sometimes missing with digital art and that's nuance mm -hmm. um you know art it should have like a, a it's like a dance it's like a poem it's like a song it's like music it's got a nuance to it so when we're always doing digital mm -hmm. art we tend to just command z and then plop and fill and let the points fill in the students don't always necessarily develop a nuance with line quality or control for the composition or a voice. The voice becomes very homogenous with yeah. digital work if we're all following the same tutorials. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's a great moment for, for educators to be like, here's why we wanna do this yeah. with our hands. Cause we don't just teach how, we're always teaching why. And this is a big, big why. Um, to develop your nuance and your voice with authentic materials in your hands so that when you do go into digital, you have a, a deeper connection with it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it was fascinating that when you posted that and I just like, oh, this is amazing. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, so the next thing is any tips for improving, um, say any beginning students and they wanna get better at drawing, what's something you would recommend um, from your experience as an educator and artist? Oh my, anything that works, like use it. I, I know I, I used to copy a lot of Disney cartoons growing mm. up and anime and stuff like mm. that. And 
I remember I having educators who would, you know, kind of tell you not to do that. And I'm like, well, it's what helped me learn to draw. I was having a reference and reference was important to see something. I think it's important um, to listen to your voice, mm-hmm. listen to what you're, you're trying to learn for yourself, um, but, but maybe diversify. I think diversification is good. That would be a better way to say that to a student who's loving to draw anime or, or manga. But let's say let's diversify and find <laughs> other influences. Like Audrey Kawasaki, I look at her work and she is a very manga kind of stylized fine artist who's also in the commercial world. I look at her and I'm like, I feel like that's who I would have been had I not listened to any of my teachers because <laughs> I loved drawing um, those kinds of effeminate um, subject matters. Um, and, and the other thing is just watch the distractions. We live in a day where we are like targeted on, on a mass level. I'm like, it feels like we're being ambushed and, and under attack with you know, engagement, like engage with me for these three seconds, engage with me for these 30 seconds, you know, TikTok. I, I couldn't do it. I was like, I can't do this. I will lose my hours and, and they'll be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I even got rid of my Facebook for a while after reading a, a pretty good book on 10 reasons to get rid of social media. But we are connected and it's hard to pick and choose which ones you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to encourage students when it comes to drawing, though, you know, draw lightly, build up. Mm-hmm. You know, try not to erase too much. Think of it like a roller coaster, you know. Uh, think about your your problem solving. Be intuitive as you're trying to find your space and then be analytical. Now, that's my method. Um, and some folks are very analytical first and then they're intuitive. That's fine. Figuring out how your brain works is is the whole point. Not mm-hmm. When I have 20 students in a class, I do not want 20 students drawing like I do in the end. Yeah. It's very important to be tapped into how do they learn and how mm-hmm. how are they approaching the problem because yeah. it, the drawing is a problem solving uh, in a sense some folks are grid people and they need a grid to do perspective i'm an intuitive perspective person and then i fix my grid <laughs> afterwards mm-hmm. um if i if i draw with a grid it looks like a lego uh setup mm-hmm. if i draw intuitively it looks like mm-hmm. it has life and composition and then i can fix my perspective so problem solving that as you're learning who you are, what's your style, you know, jump right in and, and try to work with your teachers if, if they're not necessarily uh, understanding your approach. Um, and, and we have a lot of different kinds of teachers. We have a lot of different kinds of students. We're all a little mm-hmm. different. So I, I think it's important to, to connect with each other and, and figure out what is your way? Oh, that's a different way. I can't do that way. <laughs> I, get it. I respect it. And yes. you do it very well. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's so important. But I always, my biggest thing is draw lightly. <laughs> Don't shout with the pencil because it leaves scars on the paper when you're trying to erase it. Just like if you scream at somebody, they're going to have scars. Like you got to draw lightly. Oh. My favorite pencil is a 5H um, a uh, excuse me, five uh, H Prismacolor turquoise pencil, oh. and then I switch to like F Tombow brand, and you figure out they're like two different touches, and yeah, you, you figure out all that good stuff. <laughs> That's wonderful. So you've taught both high school and adult learners, and I was kind of curious, how is your approach maybe? different for those age ranges or or are they more you know similar I was just curious from an art education standpoint boy the biggest difference is uh, parents Uh 
Um, oh, yeah. I, okay. I, uh, in high school, sometimes you have wonderful oh. supportive parents that are, are there for you. And then you have others that, that kind of question everything your, your, your goals are for your, oh. for their children. Yeah. Um, that could be different. And sometimes parents are, um, uh, they can, they can be abusive and you don't know, you have to kind of pick up these signs. High school students mm-hmm. have a whole set of real world issues, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, drugs, uh, suicide, overdose, abuse, um, assault. I, there's mm-hmm. other kinds of things coming in, not to say that that's not happening in college. Uh-huh. In college though, the problem seems to be a little different. A lot of times mm-hmm. the students are coming in and they're trying to figure out how do I do all this by myself? And mm-hmm. a lot of times the students mm-hmm. are already um, more prepared they're coming from prepared homes for the college experience Um, whereas in high school that's not necessarily the mindset um, that you have to go to college Mm -hmm. the the idea of just trying to get through life um, and put food on the table or they're working to help support the family and they they don't have the time to put into the art project there are just different circumstances and again it comes down to we're not just making artists. We're not doing that. We're, we're working with people and we have real world problems and people. I, I mentioned the massive digital immersion, the aggressive engagement, you know, the nonstop struggles for college students. We're trying to help them learn self-discipline mm-hmm. with high school students. You can kind of discipline them a little. It's like, give me that phone <laughs> and I'm going to force you to, you know, turn that off. Um, with college, you kind of have to sweet talk them and romance it a little and say, we really want to focus on this because you love this, right? You love drawing more than that cell phone. So let's put that away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's what the funny part is about it. Uh, it, it it's, I, I have found that I was harder as a teacher in high school <laughs> than I was in oh, college. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think it was just, um, you are responsible for these young oh, people yeah. at, at that age in high school and you are responsible for everything you say every little word counts not that i'm saying college is is any less but it it feels like you're you're more of that parent like you need to be that role model and you need to set that tone immediately um for high school students and and really be there a hundred percent when they need you for college you get to share that workload with other college professors and <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's just you against the world in high school you're usually the only art teacher there and we do have different classes than physics and calculus and you know we have a different uh, vibe in that classroom we get to know them a little differently uh, than other classes so it, that was the biggest difference that i've noticed Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I was just kind of curious and, and and it's I've taught high school more so and what you're saying, yes, I do feel like they are going through a lot. And I've always kind of looked at it like, you know, you just never know what somebody's going through. Exactly. And especially once I started digging just a little bit more, I was like, oh, that makes sense. So exactly. And just giving somebody a little bit of grace and understanding, it goes a long way, I think. And so, but thank you for sharing that. Um, oh, so my next question is, if you could go back in time to your younger self, what would you give yourself as advice um, about having this art career? Um, don't listen to advice that holds you back from something you want to move forward in. Okay. I, I think that's where regret comes from. Um, I remember listening to advice from someone about not 
you can't go to SBA. How are you going to do this? And how are you going to do that? And I listened to that. Uh And I really wish I hadn't because I said, you know, I should have tried. I should have tried. And that became regret later because I I let Mm -hmm. someone sweet talk me into saying you can't do something. Um, Mm -hmm. People will always try to change you. And it's okay to listen to them. But you have to allow yourself to learn from those experiences. And don't compare yourself to those. That's 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 that whole idea of, you know, your own path. Um, Be mindful of insecurity Mm -hmm. and doubt. Because it's okay to question your choices, but you want to listen to who you are on the inside. And last but not least, be ready to change. Because yeah. as you age and as you go through different life experiences, um, we all have different uh, perceptions of this. As a female, I have learned how mm-hmm. I have changed um, from one age group to the next age group, to oh, a motherhood mm-hmm. role, to an empty nester. These things change. Um, you need your health more than anything oh. in all of these stages. You need rest, good food, good exercise. Because <laughs> if you don't feel good, you won't make good art, um, in a sense. Uh, that's, that's very critical. I noticed that with professionals and folks who are a little bit more uh, novices. If you take care of yourself, that means you are very serious about what you're going to produce. And that mm-hmm. that will reflect itself in, in the work, too, um, in the end, because you, you're seeing the long game for that. Yeah, because otherwise you might end up with a pinched nerve or some carpal tunnel. Exactly. <laughs> like, and then my, I realized that because I was like, I got a pinched nerve and boy, is that painful. And I was like, I can never do this again. I have to take breaks. And I warn students all the time, like, you're not impressing me by not taking the break. Take the break. You've already been sitting like a (laughs) stone statue for an hour. Please get up. Absolutely. You know, I'm glad you have the enthusiasm. But yeah, you you want to be, you know, that's what I always think, because like maybe some professions like athletes or certain professions you you'll have to stop but as artists we get to keep going as long right. as my eyesight doesn't fail and I don't have another pinch nerve right. I keep going and it's something you get to love and do over and over again so yeah I totally agree about the health I get so envious because I look at I remember being a kid and just spending hours trying to get good and now I'm like I've only been here for 20 minutes and I got to get up. <laughs> I'm like, I, but I'm finally at the point where I'm like, I can, I can, I really am doing what I want to do. Like you just keep, as you get older and as you get better, you find out the less you know and the more you need to grow. And you start to kind of do this time thing in your head and you're like, okay, how much time do I really have? Mm-hmm. And when you're a kid, it felt like you had the whole time in the world. And as you get older, you're like, man, if I could have that time back. So yeah, I, I guess that would be really good advice to people. Like, really protect your time. You only get 24 hours a day. Make it yours. Don't give it to YouTube. Don't give it to video yes. games um, all the time. Like, yeah. sure, 20 minutes there, and then, you know, back to the drawing board. Um, and, and I say that, you know, with my own mindset, too. Like, I love movies, and I always, like, I got to stop watching movies, and I got to go draw more. <laughs> I, I have the freedom um to draw what I want. And I do my own work. Um, I have participated in galleries and I've done Kickstarters. I did a children's book that way. And I help art direct others. Teaching is my job. And I do take Mm -hmm. that the utmost seriousness, but it allows me the freedom to draw what I want to draw um, Mm -hmm. and to really enjoy it. For me, it feels like a meditative process. Um, I love what I make and I make it for me. And I'm hoping there's an audience that will feel that same love for the work that I'm putting into it. Wonderful. Well, this is a podcast and nobody can actually see your work. Where can they go and see it? And oh, uh, look, I have a couple of places. Uh, yeah. Of course, 
prettylines.com and wimmerswoods.com. Either one will kind of get you there, but I am on Instagram at both, at my pretty lines and at wimmerswoods. Uh, the wimmerswoods is a connection with my husband and we're, we're kind of pulling that magical enchanted, you know, he loves that stuff too, gnomes and Vikings and stuff <laughs> together. Um, so we, we do share uh, an Instagram there as well and a website. Wonderful. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for speaking with me and sharing your expertise and love of teaching and of illustration today. Thank you so much for having me, Nancy. Anytime. Anytime Aww. you want to grab coffee, let me know. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to My Creative Life. Bye.